0: Good morning. I say welcome again because this time I acknowledge those who are online and welcome them to our service this morning, to our Sunday morning praise and worship service. You know, the title of my sermon this morning is Believe. And um, when you go through a number or just some life-potentially-changing circumstances, You begin to realize, first of all, that the purpose of some suffering is to tell you just how wicked and imperfect this world is. And then you are reminded that you belong to a household where there is perfection. You then realize that this is out of your control, whether you get your sight back or you don't get your sight back. But you remember that you have a family in God that you can look to, And just believe. Faith is increased by suffering. Sometimes it's increased because that's the only way God gets our attention. And you realize how important believing is, faith. So that's the motivation for my sermon this morning. And again, I welcome those of you online. Uh, You don't have handouts, but those of you here have handouts. You'll see the title. You'll see the, the text, which is Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 6, as well as the sermon outline for your easy reference. You know that I never deliver any sermon without looking to God to, to accept my words and the meditation, the thoughts that I put in. But they're reflecting with his thoughts. And, and I wasn't totally kidding when I said that if I misspeak on something or the notes becomes with some difficulty... I really believe that God is going to deliver the message into your hearts that he needs for you to hear. Sometimes you can deliver a 20 minute, 25, 30, 40, an hour sermon and people will be directed by God to extract those things, those points in that sermon that he wanted them to hear. So I'm going to throw out a few minutes of talking to you. Hopefully it makes sense in your minds, but I'm praying that God speaks to your heart. So this morning, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. You know, one of the most exciting events in track and field is the relay races, because it takes a combination of speed, timing, precision, and teamwork in order for a relay team to be victorious. And the suspense is greater than in individual races because in individual races it always seems the fastest person male or female always wins. But in the relay race the fastest team can lose if one thing happens and that is that they fail to pass the baton. And any track coach will tell you that The relay races are lost or won by the transfer of that baton. At that critical moment, it can all be lost in but a moment or as a result of a slight miscalculation. But if for whatever reason the baton is lost or dropped, you'll lose the race. Now, Dr. James Dobson once said, according to the Christian values which which govern my life, my most important reason for living is to get the baton, the gospel, safely in the hands of my children. You know, both as a dad and as a pastor, I could not agree more with that statement. And that's why I believe the first lesson parents must teach their children is you gotta believe. Parents, we must pass the baton of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to the next generation or everything else we do is a failure. Physical life begins with conception and ends with death. Spiritual life begins with faith, but it never ends. You know, Jesus said, whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And so the first principle parents should teach their children is the principle of faith and the first truth they must teach their children is that real life begins with faith in God. And the author of Hebrews gives us the defining truth of faith and tells us what we need to know and what we need to teach our children about faith. So first in rodline notice that faith is described my text, verse 1, states, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is not a definition of faith. It is a description of faith. In the Greek language, whenever someone wanted to emphasize a word, they would place it first in the sentence. Well, the first word in this sentence in the Greek is the word is Before you can tell someone what faith does, you must tell them what faith is. We are told here exactly what faith is. First, it is a substance that is real. Our text, verse 1a, states, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The word substance comes from the Latin word sub, which means under, and the verb stare, which means to stand. It literally means something under you upon which you stand. In other words, something to stand on. A good term for it is simply foundation. Faith is something solid. When you live by faith, you're not walking on shifting sand. You're standing on solid rock. Our faith is the foundation of the future because it is the substance of things hoped for. Faith sees the future as guaranteed in the present. And faith is not believing something in spite of what you think it's true. It's believing in something that you know is real. You see, real faith is based on fact, and it is different from faith. The preacher was trying to illustrate the difference to his congregation between fact and faith. And he said this, now it is a fact you are in the sitting in those pews and it is a fact that I am sitting behind this pulpit but it is by faith only that I can figure out if you are indeed listening to me. In the original Greek language, this word substance referred to a title deed or a a legal guarantee. You see, faith does not say I'm going to get it. Faith says I already have it. You know, you don't have to wait to get into heaven to enjoy heaven because by faith I can get heaven into me. And faith looks to the past, lives in the present, but it longs for the future. But the important point to understand is that faith is not rooted in fantasy it is founded on reality because faith is more substance than it is real. It is also evidence that is reliable. Our text, verse 1b, states, the evidence of things not seen. You know, this word evidence literally means legal proof or, or conviction. Faith is not believing in spite of the evidence. It is believing because of the evidence. You know, sometimes when we're not certain about a person or a fact, we will say, well, you'll just have to take it on faith. In other words, faith takes up where facts leave off. But that is not true of Bible faith. Bible faith is founded on facts, and those facts are rooted in the word of God. You know, faith is the legal proof and the absolute guarantee of things that are not seen. Faith sees what the eye cannot see. The eye gives you sight. Faith gives you vision. Faith sees the invisible, touches the intangible. Here's the inaudible. And you see farther. You see deeper. You see clearer and better than the eyes of flesh will ever see. You know, for example, when my flesh looks at the sun, my faith sees Jesus, the light of the world, When my flesh sees clouds, my faith sees Jesus coming with the clouds in great glory. When my faith sees the stars, my faith sees Jesus, the bright and the morning star. When my flesh looks at the fields, my faith sees Jesus, the valley, the lily of the valley and the rose of Sharon. Listen. When you see, when you walk by faith, You walk in a world that this world knows nothing of. This world says seeing is believing. That's why in John 20, 25, Thomas said, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. But the Bible says seeing is believing or believing is seen, rather. That is why Jesus said in John eleven forty to Martha, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? You know, the world says what you see is what you get. The Bible says what you get is what you don't see. Now, there are some who may try to make fun of the fact that we walk by faith. They make fun of the fact that we say we live by faith, I want you to remember, if they make fun of you, they are actually making fun of themselves. For the fact of the matter is, everybody, everybody lives by faith. You know, our doctor tells us we have a disease we've never heard of, writes a prescription we can't read for a medicine whose name you can't pronounce, which we take to a druggist that we don't know, who gives us a bottle of liquid that tastes like poison, which we take completely and then go back and ask for more. That's faith. Now the infidel drinks water out of a faucet believing it is safe. The agnostic drives his automobile in the highway believing the brakes will work. The atheist submits to the surgeon's knife believing that he knows what he's doing. But there's a big difference between that faith and Bible faith. The quality of faith depends on the object on which it rests. You see, the water might be actually poison. The brakes could fail. The surgeon can make a mistake. But we put our faith in a God who cannot lie, a God who cannot fail, and a God who cannot and will not change. I guess the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is not that one believes and the other doesn't. The difference is the Christian has faith in a God, and it is that God that makes the difference with faith, for he gives it substance and he provides its evidence. Now, in your odd line, consider also that faith is declared. In, verses, in verse 3, we are told of something that faith does, and that is by faith we understand. The word understand literally means to know intellectually. I want you to remember something. Faith is intellectual as well as spiritual. You don't have to check your brains or your mind at the door of Christianity, even though you walk through it by faith. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You know, people sometimes talk about blind faith. Faith is not blind. Unbelief is blind. Faith is not a step into the dark. It is a leap into the light. And faith is founded on fact and it is tried by truth. And that's why it is nonsense to say it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. Now, you can pick up a can of poison And you may sincerely believe that it is a can of Coca-Cola, but if you drink it, you will be sincerely dead. You know, faith is supernatural, but it is not stupid. One of the tests that you have real Bible faith is whether or not your faith can declare its belief in two things. First, that the world was made By the Word of God. Our text, verse 3a, states, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. You know, it's amazing to me that what scientists have taken centuries and volumes to explain about the origin of the universe, I believe I can explain it in two words. If you go back to the first chapter of Genesis, you will find that everything from light to darkness, from water to to land, from plants to animals, from nothing to everything, comes as a result of the word of God. We read in Genesis chapter 1, eight times, in verses 3, 6, 9, 11, 14, 20, 24, and 26, the words, God said. At the end of every one of those two words, another physical, creative miracle took place. God spoke, and the universe lit up like a Roman candle. God spoke, and the mountains began to rise, and the oceans began to roll. God spoke, and the suns began to shine, and the the stars began to twinkle, and the moons began to glow. God spoke, and the birds began to fly, and the fish began to swim. God spoke and man began to walk. You know, the psalmist says in Psalm 33, 6, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Listen, there is no such thing as mother nature. But there is a creator God who spoke this world into existence and by faith, we understand that. That. But real faith also declares something else. In your outline, that the world was molded by the work of God. Our text, verse 3c, states, By faith we understand that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Now you cannot reconcile evolution with real faith. Because evolution takes for granted that what is here. Now we evolved from something there, then. The real true classic theory of evolution believes and must believe that matter is eternal. Do you remember your high school science classes where you were taught matter cannot be destroyed, only changed? Then there are those who try to work God into the picture and they say well, that God takes this matter that's already here and shaped it and molded it through the evolutionary process and the world becomes what we now live in. But verse 3 says that faith understands that God made everything ex nilo, which means out of nothing. Real faith believes everything you can see comes from nothing you can see. In other words, real faith begins with Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And now the evolutionists and the secular scientists will try to criticize this because they say, we are just in the area of faith, while they deal in the area of Fact. So the evolutionist will say something like this, where did God come from? And when we answer that God never came from anything that he always has been, he says, can you prove it? And when we reply, no, he laughs and he says, see, that's just faith. But then we turn to the evolutionist and we say, we ask, where did the universe come from? How did a non-living material spontaneously become living matter? Why are there no transitional creatures in the fossil record? How could sight come as a result of blind chance? And the honest evolutionist will admit, I don't know. Now at that point, we are both operating in the realm of, I don't know. Here is the difference. The evolutionist calls his I-don't-know science. We call our I-don't-know faith in a creator God. But the real truth is that both the scientists and the saint require faith. You know, the difference is their faith is shifting sands of human speculation. Our faith is the solid rock of divine revelation. But I don't underestimate. I, I realize it takes courage to look into the eyes of the scientist, the evolutionist or the educational elite today and to say you believe in creation. But if you're going to walk by faith, that is where the legs of faith takes its stand. Third in your outline, consider: why faith is demanded? You now, faith is not an option. It is an obligation. It is not a choice, it is a command. Why? Because faith can do things that nothing else can do because it activates a God. It activates a God who can do things no one else can do. So first, faith gladdens, it activates the heart of God. Verse 6 states, But without faith it is impossible to please him. You know, this word impossible comes from the Greek word which has a prefix meaning no. And the main word means power. So it is literally the word for no power. Without faith, you are helpless and powerless to please God. Nothing else and nothing but faith pleases God. Not fortune, not fame, not fitness, not fashion. Only faith. Listen. Life's number one purpose is to please God because nothing else matters in life if you don't please God. If you please God, it matters not whom you displease. If you displease God, it matters not whom you do please. The purpose of life is to please God. That's also the purpose of faith. Therefore, real life is a life of faith. The purpose of faith is not to perform miracles, healings, great signs, and wonders, but to please God, which is the greatest miracle of all. You know, the devil can perform miracles, but he cannot please God. And faith is a sign of a healthy heart. Just as the eye is right when it responds to light, and the ear is right when it responds to sound, the heart is right when it responds to God by faith. Now listen. The first step, the first step in pleasing God is you must, verse 6b, believe that he is. Believe that he is. In other words, not that he exists. Demons know that, but that he is the God of, Of Scripture. If you have a translation that defines is as exists, close it and store it. It can't even get you past the first step. Also, real faith believes God, that God is near, even when He seems so far away. Real faith knows that there is more to life than meets the eye because faith refuses its vision to be limited by the visible. It refuses to listen to only the audible, and it refuses to have your mind controlled by only the logical. Listen to this story. A father in the Bahamas was crying out to his young son, who was trapped in a burning house. The two-story structure was engulfed in flames, and everybody had gotten out, except that little five-year-old boy And he was standing on the window on the second floor, and his father looking up, saying to him, Jump, jump, son, I'll catch you. The little boy cried, But daddy, I can't see you. And the dad cried back, I know, son, but I can see you. Faith comes to God believing that he sees even when we cannot. He hears even when we cannot hear. He knows even when we do not know. Then in your outline, consider that faith gains the honor of God. By faith we know, verse 6, that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This word rewarder is a word that means one who pays wages. With God, you get what you earn. If you look for a little of God, you, or you look for God a little, you'll get a little of God. The more of God you seek, and the more you seek of God, the more of God you will have. So listen. When you believe God, you please God. When you please God, you honor God. As faith honors God, God honors faith. I like this from Dwight L. Moody, who once said, a little faith in God will bring your soul to heaven, but a lot of faith in God will bring heaven to your soul. You know, God himself said in Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen, and you will seek me and find me, when you seek for me with all your heart. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Do you know why faith is so important? Do you understand why the single most important thing one generation can do for the next generation is to pass to that generation the baton of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because Only the feet of faith will take a family to heaven. You cannot please God without faith because you cannot know God without faith. And you cannot be saved without knowing God. And that is why the first lesson you must teach your children is you got to believe. In ancient Corinth, they used to stage the forerunner of the modern Olympics. They were called the Ismian Games. And the highlight of those games was the relay race. You know, the competitors, you're familiar with relay races. The competitors are man who lined up, and then more men line up ahead of them, and even more men be ahead of them. And when the signal was given, the men would begin to run, bearing their torches. When a runner reached his partner in the next line, He would pass on his light, and that man would then run to the next station until the finish line was reached. Two things were vitally important. Number one, they could not allow the light to go out. Secondly, they could not drop the torch. The Greeks coined a phrase out of that relay race. It is this, let those who have the light pass it on. That is exactly what we must do from generation to generation until Jesus comes again. Now, service is over. As we leave this corporate setting of worship, don't forget your torch. Presumably, it was lit while you were here. Take it and pass it on. Amen? We'll see you next week.